It's Monday the 4th of July 2022. My name's Alex Elliott and you're listening to The Week in Iceland, the programme that asks what's been happening in Iceland this week, why it happened and why we should care. It's my pleasure to be joined today in the studio by Jules Chambers, the creator and host of All Things Iceland, an award-winning podcast and YouTube channel that talks about Icelandic nature, culture, history and language. Welcome to you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here in the studio for the first time. I was just going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Your third time on the show, but the first one in the studio, thanks to COVID. Thanks, COVID. Uh, So congratulations on that. Thank you. Also, happy 4th of July to you (laughs) and all of our American listeners. Yeah. Thank you. Um, here in Iceland, meanwhile, this week, uh, the spotlight has been on uh, several things, including alcohol sales and whether or not online retailers are breaking the law. Domestic flights have been in the spotlight as Iceland Air is under fire for the all-too-regular delays and cancellations. Reykjavik is set to uh, start offering kids free swimming from next month and will open one pool until midnight for the rest of the year, with a view to extending if it goes well. The uh, Vitalia Lazareva and Atna Grant sexual misconduct allegations case took an unexpected turn when the three perpetrators brought a formal complaint and asked the police to investigate. This weekend, the issue of politicians' pay has been in the news as well, as it turns out many of them were accidentally overpaid for three years and are now being asked to pay it back, um, but also at the same time that they're getting a pay rise this month of just under 5%. NATO ground troops will not be permanently stationed in Iceland. It was confirmed at the NATO summit last week, but air patrols could increase and Iceland is re-evaluating its national security policy in the face of hugely changed global security picture. And finally, Borgalinan has been pushed back by one year and June saw some of the lowest temperatures for three decades as high summer got off to a shaky and unreliable start. Where would you like to begin? Well, I I laughed when you said that... The politicians were overpaid. <laughs> it's like, hmm, you didn't notice for three years that uh, things were just more than uh, than they were supposed to be. It's just like it just made me laugh, just because it's one of those instances where like they're in essence the ones who create how much they get paid, and so you would think that there would be somebody very much since it's the public's money. Yeah, looking after it and like accountant wise. So that is a very bizarre thing, and I hope they do pay it back because this is not, you know. Like a, a regular job, in essence. It's literally you represent the public and and taxpayer money. So, yeah. Exactly. If I may pay devil's advocate for a second, mm-hmm. um, the headlines were shocking. Yeah. Like, <laughs> overpaid for three years and why didn't... Blah, blah, blah. But you look a little bit deeper into it. These are quite well-paid people, obviously. Yeah. We know this. Um, and the three-year backlog that they have to pay back is an average of 400,000 kroners. Mm-hmm. I can see how they might not have noticed that. Yeah, it's not. I'm, I don't mean them. The accountant who handles it. So oh, I, I see. Have said it like mm, that. Yeah, mm-mm. it's meaning like because this is public money, that you would be so strict about it and make sure that you know this mm. is not. And granted, yeah, like you're saying, it's not <clears> a lot of money, but at the same time, when you think about all of the things that happen in the government, or you don't think that happens in the government, any little thing <laughs> gets blown up and. As I think this should be handled as meticulously as possible, just for that not to be an issue. Just it's so unnecessary. Um, yeah, and that's right as well. We should hold them to a higher standard than just someone in any company. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. They were apparently they they calculated it using the wrong matrix, so the numbers mm. came out right, but it they calculated them wrong to start with or something. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Um, yeah. But then it goes 
uncomfortably mm-hmm. hand in hand with um, the pay rise that they've been awarded. Again, it's right. they don't ask for these directly. This is a, there's the financial management authority, which is in charge of, of, of just announcing this mm-hmm. based on public sector wages across the whole of the public sector right. in the last year. Um, but it's a, again slightly uncomfortable going into these pay negotiations that we're all having this autumn. Right, and and there's government pressure for them not to be too high because of inflation. Yeah, absolutely. And the inflation is soaring, and it's pretty that in itself, just in terms of people's pay now, as opposed to like fuel and paying for food. Like your quality of life is lowering because of how much more you have to pay for things just to have a normal life. Yeah. So it is hard to see people who are getting really well paid. How, you know what I mean? It's just it's just one of those circumstances where there's too many varying factors coming in that make people go like, what? The? Like, it's easier to get outraged. But like I said, it made me laugh because it was just like, really? <laughs> like, of all the things, this is, for, and for three years, it's, you know. So yeah. it's just unfortunate more than anything else. Sort of clumsy almost. Yeah, yeah. and that's what it makes me kind of feel like this is bizarre to not maybe have someone who's double-checking it or something. Mm. And maybe that's what they'll put in place now because of something like this. Yeah. Again, again, for the second time, playing devil's advocate. Driva <laughs> um, Snydal, um, the head of the Confederation of Labour, mm-hmm. has said it's a bit awkward and, and irresponsible even to be announcing these pay rises now when the, con- the economy is in the state it's in, whatever, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. But I wonder if the general workforce, if we all got 5% increase when inflation is closer to 8 point something right, percent, 8.8 or something like that. Would that not be... a reasonable outcome from a economics point of view from a central bank government point of view that doesn't seem unreasonable no but i don't think they're going to do that (laughs) do you think we'll get less or more i think less yeah probably yeah Mm. and just because you know a lot of people think that oh well this is a passing thing so why should we have to give you so much more Mm. and yeah it's it's this tricky game of with inflation too because the government can do more about it if they want to but Again, you know, it's like trying to balance out things. And also, it's usually within their best interest, to be honest. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll see what happens. I don't know. I'm I'm not holding my breath for it. <laughs> the thing is, I, I work for myself now. So this is also an interesting thing. It's like, do I give myself a pay? <laughs> and it's usually, you no, know, around like these economic times, you're more thinking of how do I like save or like, you know, hold off from spending too much, especially with fuel. Like I travel a decent amount to like collect content and stuff. Mm. And so it's like, hmm, do I really need to take this trip? Because the fuel prices are pretty insane right now. Mm. But then you're affecting your entire job, your livelihood, yeah. that perhaps potentially even the quality of your work by not doing so. You get you get so, innovative and scrappy. That's what you do, you know? Right. So figure it out. I mean, I'm not, I'm not worried about it, but uh, it is a fascinating position to be in to like have to have this, you know, continuous, like how do you, when, especially with fuel. I just because I don't have an electric car, which I would love to in the future. Uh, but it's funny to me that, and this is kind of slightly off topic, that it makes me reevaluate. And I was driving so much more and like taking a camper van and all these things so much more. And thankfully, I was able to collect a lot of content for that. But yeah, like you said, it's like, does this really affect my work? And I think in a lot of ways, because social media is changing to be more about like face to face stuff, that actually gives me opportunity to create different types of content so mm-hmm. you know like i said pros and cons just, yeah pros and cons and like sometimes you get you have to just rethink what you're doing and that's okay too 
and you're sitting on both sides of the table that's in the sort of in this employer versus employee yeah, exactly. negotiation <laughs> um, I with myself <laughs> fascinating yeah so you you can under, you can understand both sides both yeah, points absolutely. of view absolutely yeah it's it's actually really difficult when you work for yourself too because most of the time you want to take the money that you make and just funnel it back into the company and not pay yourself which is a huge mistake mainly because you need to live right and yeah so that's another like growth and battle of being able to balance everything mm. interesting mm-hmm Okay. Uh, anything else to? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Anything else to add? Or, or uh, no, I think that the topic is just. <clears throat> if anything, like I said, it, the only reason why I started with it is because it just immediately made me laugh that this happened, and then, like you said, that there's this other aspects of it. So. Yeah. Any one of those things would have been less remarkable, but they, <laughs> all at the same time, it's just. Yes, Arr! exactly. It, it is the perfect storm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um. Where next then? So, Borkelinan, uh, uh, the yeah. bus that it's, it basically is going to be like they have their own private roads, is how I understand it, right? It's like a subway network without yes. trains. Yes, exactly. And I was like, <laughs> this is so interesting. Because I, I literally made me think of New York, mm. because that's where I'm from, New York City. And I, I love the idea that, you know, you can have these fast buses. I'm not surprised that this is being pushed back, right? Like, I don't, and if anybody who is surprised by this construction, I mean, we, for instance, we did um, construction in our house. Every time <laughs> there was a delay. And I think in this case, it's like traffic, new streets, you know, all these things that come into play. And then red tape with bureaucracy and whatever else. So mm-hmm. I hope, I think they said that it's going to be delayed until 2026 or something like this. Yeah. So that, in my mind, is like, mm, that's very optimistic. <laughs> like, I, assume, I, I, I hope it works the way that they would like it to. I like the idea of it. Personally, I would utilize this system, but I wouldn't be surprised if someone is saying. And then traffic-wise, for people, when this construction is happening, is probably going to be a nightmare. Mm. So I think people should just prepare. Indeed. <clears throat> um, yeah. The official line is that 2026 is a lot more realistic than 2025 was. Mm. Um, and to avoid the worst of the traffic problems, to, what's the word, um, streamline it, to, to coordinate it better with other projects. Yeah. Like there's, they're going to be putting part of Miklabrit underground, I think. Yeah, wow. And the same on Cyberit. Mm, okay. Which is That's a interesting, lot. it's good. Yeah. Um, and that's, changing course for a second, that's a, an interesting project in itself. Like, can you imagine the sort of the Mikla, was it? No, not Miklatun, it's called Klambratun now, mm-hmm. um, area, and the, the, all the housing around there, Hlidar. Yep. And if you could just walk from, let's say, Klambratun up to Pertlan without this huge road in the way, yep. it would make such a big difference. It would be different quality of life. Very and also pleasant. noise wise. Mm. So different. Like a lot of people, I remember when we were looking for apartments, we avoided Miklabreit because of the noise. And like they, we looked at a place and it was just, you could constantly hear and then the potential for pollution and whatever else. So I think also for people who live in that area along that road mm. will be very grateful. Their property r- will probably raise uh, in terms of value just based on the fact that you don't have all these cars there. Yeah. Because so. it is, it's it's probably the biggest road, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. The, the, the main thoroughfare. Thoroughfare. Yeah. Okay. So, what else about that? Um, This is only stage one of Borgelian. Yes. There's going to be several stages. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what I think is interesting? Because Iceland does not have a train. But I thought to myself, like, isn't this like a great opportunity to have a train? (laughs) Right. Instead of buses. I don't, like, in my mind, 
why not go to that route where now it's like if they're gonna have their own private roads anyway, mm. right? You could make tracks and but maybe they just felt like buses was more cheaper to run. Yeah. I, I imagine. I don't know. <laughs> I would, but I guess, yeah, laying tracks and everything is probably quite expensive. Yeah. But that's just, in my head, it was like, hmm. Because then it's, uh, I don't know, fuel-wise and everything. But I guess they are making the buses electric, so many of them. So. Hmm. And then you've got a, maybe a flexibility thing as well. For example, those buses can leave the roads if they want to. Yeah, true. And be used for other purposes in extreme need. Yeah. Um, Maybe even for evacuations, because um, we've had that in the news in the last year or two about mm-hmm. what happens if there's a volcano. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I yeah, suppose there's yeah. a lot of things that play into it. Yeah. Um, I suspect cost. Yeah, because the highest. buses already exist. Mm. So why? Yeah, it's true. Although these ones will be much bigger. Yeah. Mm. Uh, okay. Well, yeah, I just still like, because I've heard about the idea for a train from the airport to Hapnefeder for years. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it was like, hmm, isn't this the opportunity for that? Hmm. But maybe not. Maybe it's it's too extensive considering how much, you know, you'd have to lay tracks and everything. Yeah. And the cost of iron or whatever it is they're using. So And um the fact that Borgalinan is supposed to interconnect seamlessly with the bus network. Yeah. With exactly. the rest of the bus yeah. network. Um but then you have like you know I'm not saying New York City's subway actually is very good in terms of cost and everything like the Met like it's actually pretty terrible they don't run it that well but um, I just made me think of like how they have the bus and train system too mm. so that was why and they they technically work together <laughs> different different levels maybe you yeah, go yeah, upstairs yeah. and downstairs right and, exactly yeah. exactly yes maybe um, earthquakes have got something to do with it as well mm. I don't know. But then cities that have earthquakes, yeah, exactly. no. Yeah, and California and all these, mm. places, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's all speculation until, you know, you actually get an expert to be like, hey, this is why we just wanted to do it this way. <laughs> that could be simply the answer. It's like, that's what we like. Could be. Mm-hmm. This, I mean, the whole idea, the whole project has got large support, mm-hmm. I think, public and, and within most of the parties that are in the council. Yeah, it's a great idea for reducing traffic, reducing pollution, um, accessibility, and also the fact that, you know, getting downtown, depending on where you live, like I used to live in Moso, now I live in South Inanes, and it's, it would be great if I wanted to go downtown, <coughs> excuse me, to meet with a friend, i just hop on the, you know, fast bus line, mm. and no problem, be it Plymouth or wherever else, you know? But now it's like, when I think, of, I used to take the bus for the first two years of living here, mm. and most of the time it was just to my job that was a 10-minute bus right away, but there were times where I still had issues, <laughs> even on this short route, right? And then if I were to go downtown and say I wanted to meet with friends and stay out kind of late, that wasn't really possible, especially if I was going to have a drink or something, because the bus would stop running at like 11 or whatever the last bus would be. And so it was like booking it <laughs> to the bus just to make that last one and also being on the bus for quite a long time because of all the stops that it's making. So, yeah, I yeah. think commuting, commuting will be totally transformed. I hope so. Um, One of the things that the new Reykjavik City Council has prioritised, among others, is to bring the night bus back, Mm -hmm. um, which is a good thing as well. Obviously, that won't be on special private roads. No, no. But But still, it's very useful. And the amount of people who, unfortunately, are using substances or drinking and driving, 
Mm. You know, like I'm not saying it's the city's fault for these people doing it, but I think it would definitely help a lot of people to know that they would have this available and then maybe they would choose that over driving. Yeah, because obviously everyone's got taxis available, but, yeah, but they cost so quite a lot of money. Right. right. And it now feels more expensive. So they're probably that, you know, it makes sense for them to charge more. Mm. Even though I don't, I'm not a fan of paying so much for a taxi. I think. The one time I took a taxi from downtown to Moso, it was like 9000 mm. And I was like, this is insane. This is a 15 to 20 minute ride, mm. <laughs> right? Like it's, yeah, in, insanely expensive. So if you can avoid it, why not? Yeah, but don't avoid it by driving. No, um, no, the... I, mean like, <laughs> I mean in a legal way. Yeah. <laughs> you can avoid it. But I mean, the point you make is really valid there. Mm. I mean, taking away... Any vestige of an excuse anyone might have, even mm. though it's inexcusable to drink right. drive, um, any anything in that direction is is got to be good. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Okay, move on. Yeah. So uh, the extortion case. That's right. Mm. Um. Yeah, it's difficult to comment too much on this yeah. and discuss it because we don't really know what happened. No. At the same time, though, it's a it is an interesting counter narrative on this you know to try and it seemingly discredit her and her partner um mm. and then this whole thing with like she thought that she had already form uh filed a complaint formally but the letter that she gave was not actually a formal thing she had to give a statement you know i was like there's a couple moving parts in this situation that i was like oh weird okay i was not expecting that at all considering the amount of attention Mm. that her interview got and you know the outrage of people you know and yeah i don't know i'm not, I'm not commenting on whether or not it's true or not because obviously like you said we can't but i do find this um unfortunate in many circumstances like many ways as you hear it unfold and i just hope that this i don't know comes to a conclusion that makes sense mm. i feel like the alleged perpetrators the three businessmen i think they were mm, yeah. yeah um they're saying perhaps that our lives, our reputations have been ruined mm. for, for right or wrong. Um, but then the police haven't been formally asked to investigate. Mm. And so that isn't going to come to a conclusion one way or the other. And that's why they say, at least, that they've decided to take this step. Mm. Um, that's understandable. But if you did do it, right, it's just like, and the consequences your career was ruined regardless if she actually formed a complaint mm. that doesn't negate the fact that you did it right no, like you, absolutely. so you filing something about uh, extortion it's kind of it's just bizarre to me right it's like it doesn't take away the fact that everyone is aware of what happened mm. it just actually makes it seem like you're trying your best to clean up something or um actually no switch i should say to a different topic to make it seem like she's not credible that's that's how it came came across to me more so than anything else and a lot of victims of sexual assaults and abuse do not always go to the police and file. I mean, in this case, like she had, you know, um, taken this step, but just didn't finalize doing everything. So I don't believe that it's, you know, fair necessarily that they should feel like just because the complaint wasn't formal, that it kind of expunges them from having done it mm. like the act if it happened still happened like that's just and that, the reality of the that particular point hasn't really been right mentioned that's, has it yeah um, exactly <laughs> i don't i haven't heard anyone say no this didn't happen right 
So that's what I'm you know, like. I'm like, what is happening here? Mm. Besides trying to shift what uh, the view of people are of her because they feel like they've been attacked. Mm. And and it's like, uh, with, with all of this, it's, it's very misogynistic, I'm sorry to say. Um, because if you have done it and all you're trying to do is place the blame back on the victim because you're embarrassed about what you did and it ruined your reputation, but you did it, you know, like mm. this is an inexcusable to me. Mm. Agreed. The definition of what extortion means is an interesting point that's come up in this yes. as well. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because one, I, I, I struggle to say side, but one group of people has been saying such a police investigation as this takes many years. It's very painful. The outcomes are unclear and that, asking for this money to avoid that process uh, but therefore in admitting guilt mm -hmm. and offering compensation is a way around that it's what we would call in most english speaking countries an out of out of court settlement yes. um but that isn't common in iceland it almost never happens mm. such an out of court settlement and asking for what was it 150 million kroner i yeah. think or something like that i don't remember the number either it could be in, interpreted as blackmail right but if you're so, in the public saying, or not the public, I say, if your lawyers are talking with their lawyers, mm. I don't believe this is extortion, right? Like, it's not like you sent them an email. <laughs> it's like, if you don't give me this money, I'm going to blah, blah. Mm. That's a totally, in my head, right? And of course, like you're saying, like in the US, I mean, it's such a uh, litigious <laughs> culture right. that this does happen. I mean, you can, any court show that you watch, like it happens so often so, yeah, this is a very um, interesting way of doing it or talking about it when in reality it just might be that there's an evolution happening in the court system of Iceland. Mm. But then there's this whole other unexplained side as well mm -hmm. of this uh, what, like anonymous letters being sent to friends, relatives, colleagues. <sighs> I don't know. Whether or not that happened, yeah, and who they came from. Who, yeah, exactly. Who it came from is another thing. Because I think that, especially when this is um, such a high-profile case, right? And you have people who are, like you said, they're really fighting for their reputation. And do I blame them for fighting for their reputation? No, not necessarily. Everyone is really self-preserving in their own right. Mm. But, you know, if you did it, right? And somehow there are people who also maybe want to protect you that don't don't tell you what they're doing, but on their end are trying to, like shift it for your benefit that's yeah. a very possible big possibility too i mean this it is of course speculation is. no evidence i am not at all. i don't know any of these people okay so i just want to put that out there i've never met any of them and probably never will who knows maybe in the grocery store you know passing by <laughs> this it's probably already common. have yeah but, exactly yeah. <laughs> um, but so yeah this is you know in the court of public opinion to some degree but this part to me is um is really interesting of like it can c come from anywhere. Mm. So if you can't prove that either and you're filing a case to say, you know, like have some evidence at least that would be helpful for you before you file something like this. But there are some people who believe that you have to get ahead of the story and or, you know, find your way to shift the angle. And I guess that's maybe more in this case because they didn't get ahead of the story. She had already talked about it. But since some time has passed, maybe they've, you know, huddle together and come up with whatever mm. idea in order to... I feel like the biggest single element of the story when it broke back in January um, was discussion, the, sort of the Me Too-related discussion mm -hmm. of balance of power and influence and, and the fact that a much older 
wealthier man has an unacceptable amount of power mm-hmm. over and and that whether or not an act was illegal is kind of irrelevant there it's it's yeah. it, power and influence and that hasn't changed no if anything it potentially shows even more that um yeah exactly <laughs> and and the money to do this too mm. right that's the other thing like paying for lawyers court fees like this could bury this woman because of just that yeah we've got two or three minutes left um very quick discussion on a different topic okay. of your choice. Yeah, I, Do you, I don't remember all of them. <laughs> why not? I was doing my best. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was the cold June weather. There was NATO. There was uh, swimming pools. Mm. Maybe finish on swimming. Yeah, why not? Because that was our most read story last week. Oh, nice. People love it. I mean, that's a lot of money saved when you yes. think about it. And I think it's really cool. I think it's what, age six to 16 or something like that? Yeah, Grunskoli age. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I love this idea. It's funny that it goes till midnight. Do 16-year-olds stay out till midnight? What am I missing? <laughs> Two different stories. Oh, yeah. Okay, yes, you're right. You're right. So <laughs> so even us paying adults can go till midnight. Till midnight. Okay, sorry. But the children yes. can go free it was, all the time. It, but it was mixed in with the... Yeah, it was, yeah. why yeah. I did that. Because okay, it, was, was like, it oh, came from the same council meeting, that's why yeah, they whatever. decided these. Yeah, children can f- swim free at midnight only. <laughs> no, no, I didn't, I didn't say like only a minute, but like up until midnight. And I was like, what? These kids need to go to bed. <laughs> <That's ridiculous. laughs> um, yeah, so mm-hmm. the biggest one yes. uh, will stay open until midnight, until the end of the year, starting August. Don't go now, people. Yeah. Um, Wait until August the end of the year. <laughs> Until the end of the year, um, with a view to possibly extending it, mm-hmm. um, if it goes well. That's fun. Yeah, I think it's really sweet. And, and then, yeah. you know, like, pe- this is such a huge part of the culture. I love how integrated swimming pool and bathing and well-being and relaxing and uh, being part of community. Like, this is so that it's funny because I've been talking about this over on Instagram because I collaborated with the bathing culture uh, exhibit mm-hmm. in Gadabad and learning about how, like, in Iceland, first of all, it's only in the early 1900s that bathing or swimming, period, became a thing. Like, mm-hmm. sailors were dying because they thought it was superstitious to learn how to swim. <laughs> because it was like, well, then I went, I, then I would probably get in trouble on the sea. So mm-hmm. I don't want to think about that, right? And so people were drowning all the time until, like, 1905 when they started having swimming pools. Mm-hmm. And specifically for bathing, so it was a hygiene thing, and survival, and now when you think about it, in that time frame, you know, some a bit over 100 years, you have, like, not only is it so much part of Iceland and how people even think of Iceland, like with the Blue Lagoon or whatever else, but Icelanders, it's kind of changing them and, like, for well-being and, you know, how they foster community, how they communicate and, like, uh, talk about politics and things like that. There's so much mm-hmm. that happens at swimming pools. It's so integral to society. It's just really cool. That is really true, yeah. Uh, it's definitely the central point of any community. Mm-hmm. And I seem to remember reading a few years ago that Iceland was the only country in the world where passing swimming is mandatory to graduate from mm. from school. I mean, it is mandatory here. Yeah, it's true. I don't. I don't. I didn't look into if any other country made this yeah. a thing. So mm. that's pretty cool. Yeah. Though best to hate me. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, because I'm the only ones doing it. <laughs> 
And on that note, <laughs> we've run out of time. Um, the Week in Iceland will be back, though, with you next week on Monday, the 11th of July, on roof.as forward slash English, Roof English on Facebook through the Roof app and your favourite podcast platform. That just leaves me to thank my guest today, Jules Chambers. Um, thank you very much for coming. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Now, uh, given Iceland's extremely close and friendly ties with Denmark, and given the appalling shooting that took place in Copenhagen this weekend, just one week after, it should be said, similar scenes in Oslo, um, I thought it would be a good opportunity to play a Danish song at the end of the programme today. This catchy tune is one you may have heard before, uh, among other places on Netflix. Um, it's called Speak Out Now, and it's by Oland. Bye for now. Trying to trick you It will happily tell you lies